Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and joining us today is three-time world champion and two-time American champion tie-down roper, Caleb Smith. This man has seen more adversity than most of us could ever dream of or would ever want to, but he continues to forge forward. He continues to trust in the good Lord through sickness, through broken bones, through death of loved ones and all kinds of situations that none of us would wish amongst our worst enemy. And he continues to keep a smile on his face. He continues to keep trusting in the Lord and pursuing the goals, the dreams, the passions, the purpose that the good Lord has put inside of him. And the story that he has to share today is incredible. Um, and he's a great role model for men, women, children, adults, everybody in the industry and in life to continue moving forward through those tough times. And the good Lord will provide for you and make a difference in your life. So check out this Rodeo Kids podcast with Caleb Smith. And don't forget to share it when you're done. There, We all have people in our lives who have something happening to them, or maybe you're just down on your luck after an injury, or you know somebody who is. Share this podcast with them because it's going to give them hope. It's going to give them inspiration. It's going to motivate them to go out there and take that first jump and to trust your body again and to trust yourself that you do heal and that it's time for you to get out there and go and your heart heals and your emotions and it won't always make it easier, but we got to keep moving forward. And this podcast is going to talk all about how to keep moving forward in the tough times. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. To begin with, we usually just ask for for you guys to get on here and tell us a little bit about who you are, where you got started, how you got involved in rodeo, and then how you got to where you are today. So, uh, Caleb Smith. I've roped calves or roped and rode horses since I was, you know, old enough to walk. Um, That's all I did. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, I grew up in Yorktown, Texas, which is down about 45 minutes south of Victoria. Um, My dad was worked at the prison in Quero. My mom was a home health nurse in Quero. And uh, it was me and my brother, Aaron, who's uh, four years older than me. He uh, he roped too. I mean, that's all we did. I played uh, a few sports in junior high, but other than that, all I did was uh, rope. Wanted to be around horses. That's all I. Uh, that's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, you know, I did all the youth rodeo stuff all through. Uh, you know, junior, elementary, junior high, high school, high school rodeo. Um, and you know, I had success at it. I enjoyed it. Um, I. Uh, I guess you can say I worked at it really hard uh, every day after school, you know, if it was dry enough to rope or whatever, you know, that's what uh, my parents really uh, supported us in that. And I uh, did everything that they could. We didn't come from much, but, you know, we, uh, every uh, dollar they had went into uh, us, you know, going to these rodeos and youth rodeos and stuff. And, uh, in high school, I uh, my senior year, I won state in the calf roping, um, the Texas state finals. 
and then uh, one second at nationals or uh, I guess nationals they call it. And then um, moved on to college, went to Wharton Junior College for two years. Um, first year didn't have much success in college rodeo. Um, the second year was a awesome year. Um, I won the I went to the Southern Region for Wharton. I won the calf roping, won the team roping, and won the all around that year. Made the college finals for both events. Um, so it was a pretty uh, awesome year in college rodeo. And then I moved on to Sam Houston, went to Sam Houston for two and a half years, had a lot of success up there. Um, college rodeo, made the college finals two more times. And um, then, you know, when I went to Sam, I had a lot of people wondering why I haven't bought my PRCA card yet. You know, everybody was telling me I was silly for not doing it, not buying my card that, you know, I can make it do whatever, you know, you make a living doing this rodeo deal. So, but I never would do it. My parents wanted me to finish college. I knew if I bought my card, I would not finish college because it's a uh, pretty time consuming. Uh, you know, rodeo and professionally. So uh, I didn't do it. I bought my permit. And uh, when I moved, when I went to school in Huntsville and went to all the smaller pro rodeos, and I actually had a lot of success. I actually set a record uh, one year um, for the most money ever won on a permit. It was like 50 something thousand um, in the calf roping and the team roping. So it just kind of gave me a uh, I guess a little bit of confidence knowing that, you know, you could win at a, uh, at that level. And I wanted to, uh, kind of one of those guys that if I don't know that I can do it at a high level. It's almost like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I wanted to make sure that I was prepared. Uh, I always said, I don't want to embarrass myself at this level. Cause, uh, you know, this is PRCA is the highest level you can, compete at in rodeo um you know in our event the calf and stuff so i just want to make sure i was ready i didn't want school in the way i didn't want you know other things i wanted to give uh you know 100 percent to rodeo and uh, that's the only thing i knew to make a living uh, what all think it take to be prepared aside from just finishing school in your mind you know i good support team you know um you know, it's a tough deal rodeoing. Um, you travel all around the world. A lot of, I, at that point, I was dating Bruna. Um, we were engaged, or in, high, in college, we were engaged. But that's, you know, it's just pretty much me. I was living, you know, on my own. But uh, the first year I rodeoed, I rodeoed with Justin Moss and Kate Swore, which Justin made the finals, I don't even know, seven, eight, ten times. Kate's made the same. I had a really good uh, support and help. You know, it's uh, it can get uh, you can get lost out there. It's uh, it's a tough deal out there if you take it and you know blind or by yourself. But um, and you know and just believing that I don't know. I think God made me wait until I was completely ready. I feel like He does that a lot with stuff. Uh, you know, in my life. Um, like I said, I just don't want to jump into something too deep unless I know I'm ready and unless I get, uh, you know, signs from him that say that I was ready. And 
I just had a feeling in college that I wasn't, you know, that I wouldn't finish college. Parents, if I didn't, because I made it that far, you know, you go for three or four years, why quit then? Why not just finish it up? So, uh, you know, and that's what I did, and it uh, it all paid off. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast when I was working out this morning, and it was I even sent myself this quote, and it said, "The quicker you want it, the more vulnerable you are," and that kind of goes mm-hmm. into what you're saying that, you know, God made you wait so that you were prepared because if not, like if you throw yourself to the wolves, you might just get eaten up. Yeah. You know, and I heard horror stories about people, you know, leaving like, Hey, I had, you know, $30,000 in my account. The first year I left rodeo. And when I come back, I had $20,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. You know? And they're like, but we go, I got to rodeo. I rodeo for a full year. And I'm like, that sounds that's not what I want to do. Um, and you know, it was, it was all on me the first year I took off. I didn't have, uh, you know, my parents, they did everything they could, but it's not like they were giving me money to, um, they couldn't afford to give me money to rodeo. It was all, uh, it was all on me to make a living. And I've always been kind of a money person that, um, you know, I just, that's what I, if I couldn't make money doing it, I wasn't going to do it. And rodeo paid for, you know, my all through high school, trucks, trailers, horses, college. Uh, I never got one loan through college. You know, rodeo paid for all of it. And that's what I wanted it to do. And now rodeo has paid for everything that I have now um, and supports my family. And the I've always told myself the moment that rodeo doesn't do that no more is um, the day that I will um, stop rodeoing um and uh you know and that's just the way i've looked at it um it's my hobby it's a lot of fun i enjoy doing it but it's also what i do for a living um rodeo is different than any other sport because uh you know you get paid to show up if you don't show up and be at the top of your game it's probably not gonna uh go very good for you as far as making a living and stuff like that so Cause you've been there for a while. Uh, a lot of praying. Really, uh, now more than back when I was 25 and you know 27 years old, it was uh, had a lot more athleticism to me, and it uh, I could practice a lot more. I uh, could wake up in the mornings and feel like I could go rope. Now it's like it takes me a while to get ready. Um, I'm 32 now, and I know they don't seem that old, but when you run thousands and thousands of calves, it, you know, it just doesn't feel as good anymore. So, you know, I don't practice near enough anymore. So I uh, really lean on God to take up the slack uh, and my horse. I lean a lot on my horse uh, pockets that I ride. He's unbelievable. And uh, if I didn't have him, you know, it would be, uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't have won near as much as I have today. He's uh, just been a blessing to me and my family. And, uh, man, it's just awesome to be able to ride him each and every time I row because uh, it makes it a lot easier. But, you know, just practicing once a week is a lot different than practicing four or five times a week like I used to when I was younger. So, uh, you know, that's what keeps me at the top of my game. My horse and God, they just uh, keep pushing me and keep telling me I can do this. So I'm going to keep doing it for a little while longer, I guess. 
So you mentioned your horse. Tell us about how you acquired him and how that's all going and what he does for you. I just have one re- one horse that I compete on. You know, I have other horses. I have some young horses, um, but Pockets is the only one I've rode. Um, for the la- I rode him for the last seven years. Um, I rode him at the last seven NFRs. Um, he's just been amazing. I bought him. He was uh, coming eight years old in 2015. And I'll get to that, how I ended up with him and through my pro rodeo career. But, um, yeah, he's the only one I rode. He's a tough sucker. He's big, and he really enjoys it, I guess, because I don't ever uh, practice on him. I just keep him exercised, and we go to the rodeos, and he does his job each and every time. And I try to do mine, I guess. Sure. You, have, you know, and my dad too, they've always said you get horses that are just gifts from God. Like it doesn't matter what you do this talented, you know, that's that's what they're here for. They're meant to be in your hands and you gotta take advantage of it while you can be my dad always says you're lucky to have one great horse and one great dog in your life. If you have two, then you are truly blessed. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one great one and I'll never find another one like him, no matter how hard I look, because I, I don't think they make him like him. You I've been blessed. So I'll uh, start when I, in 2013, I bought my card, my PRCA card in the fall. of So I bought it in uh, um, October of 2012. And when you buy your card, you have to win a thousand dollars or buy your permit, you win a thousand dollars and then you can buy your card. So I won a thousand dollars, bought my card. Um, and that was for the 2013 season. And uh, man, it was just a, uh, awesome because uh, like I said I rodeoed with Justin and Cade I actually lived at Justin Moss's house for a little while when I got done with school and then me and Brennan got married in November of 2013 the year before the year I made the finals so I lived with Moss rodeoed with them all summer um ended up making the finals my rookie year um you know it's just like a dream come true you know it's to make the to win the rookie deal was awesome, but then to make the finals my first year in pro rodeo was, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just a blur and a blessing. I was just out there having fun, roping, had no worries in the world, just enjoying it. You know, it was something I knew I wanted to do forever. Um, just as a young kid, uh, it was just unbelievable. So then we got married and – 2000 November of 2013 right before we went to the finals got married and went out there and had you know just a awesome finals for a rookie you know placed in a couple rounds and just you know just the experience of it's awesome um you're kind of just like mind blown when you get out there first year I'd never I've been to Vegas one time before and watched the rodeo one time but other than that it's just kind of mind-blowing that I got to even go out there and stuff so uh come back and in and you know obviously gonna rodeo again in 2014 um have a really good winter at the winter rodeos at san Antonio, fort worth houston stuff like that have really good rodeos um you know kind of on track to make the finals again um and then come may of 2014 uh, I got a call from the timed event that they wanted me to enter the timed event. And I had never bulldogged before. And they called me like two weeks before and 
somebody had dropped out and they said, you know, we want you to come enter. And I said, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I want to wait. I said, I tell you what, I'll just enter it next year. I said, give me a year to learn how to bulldog. And, you know, kind of like the same deal of not buying my card. I wanted to be prepared and uh, know that I could win. I didn't feel like I could win at that deal and be prepared in two weeks to go up there. Well, Bulldog's not to mess with either. Jumping off of a horse and throwing a spear. Like, there's a lot that can go wrong in that. Team yeah. One thing, but. <laughs> yeah, no, there there is a lot. And a lot of stuff is about was about to go wrong. Yeah. So, I was practicing, just kind of messing around with bulldogging. And uh, we had, like, a sliding dummy. You hook it behind a four-wheeler, and it has, like, a steer head, and you just get a hold to it, and you just slide it down the arena like you're sliding a steer. And my brother-in-law was pulling it and he put a pin in the bug in the four wheeler and you just pull it and he was pulling it along. And right before I let go of it, the pin come out and the sled that I was sliding just shoots up in the air and like rips it out of my arms. And when it does, I fall kind of to the left well, was in some real deep sand and my right ankle just hung in the sand. And I fell to the left, but my ankle stayed and it broke my leg and split my tibia right down the middle, broke my fibula and dislocated my ankle. And I had no idea that it happened. When I kind of got up, it looked like my boot had come off, but I reached down and grabbed my boot. And when I pulled it, I noticed I could feel that my foot was still in and it was just turned like completely sideways. So I pretty much just passed out then. And so the whatever the ambulance came and they were sitting there about to take me to the hospital and i had no idea i just thought you know broke my leg whatever you know nothing bad well then my wife's uncle is a state trooper and he showed up there and he uh right before they put me in the ambulance he got to looking at it and he was like hey uh we need a life lighting like right now they cut my boot off and was just looking at my leg and I was just laying there pretty much in lots of pain. By now, it was throbbing and swelled up huge and stuff. But he was determined that they needed to lifelight me. And so he told the medics or whatever. And so they ended up lifelighting me. And it's kind of, it's a for sure God thing that he showed up there because I had zero uh, pulse in my leg and no, uh, whatever you call it, uh, blood flow to it because it was turned so far sideways at my toes and everything weren't getting no blood oh, no. so they lifelighted me i showed up to the hospital in houston and as soon as i got there they wheeled me in and all the nurses were just kind of messing around you know doing stuff Well, the doctor walked in and he walked over there pulled the sheet off my leg looked at it and i could see on his face that something was wrong and he was like he's like i gotta straighten this deal right now and the nurses started like freaking out they're like oh no you can't do that now he's not he's still awake and all this. He was like, no, I got to do it right now. So pretty much he grabs my foot and pulls it because my ankle had turned and like come up my leg. So he pulls it down and just turns my foot straight back up to where it's supposed to go. And I was awake and it was the most, it was silly, the pain. But when he pulled it, I was awake for that. When he turned it up, I passed out. And don't remember when I back up my, I woke back up, my foot was sling up, like propped up, and it was straight up. And he had took an x-rays of it, and he was like, look, see, I straightened your foot perfect. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? He just 
rip my foot off, I think. But yeah, just he just grabbed it, pulled it, and got it back in the joint and turned it straight up. And yeah, I think you're supposed to do that when I was uh, not awake, but he said he didn't have time. He said within another minute or two that uh, I wouldn't have had a foot because of the blood flow and circulation to it. That's why he had to straighten it. He said he didn't have time to put me under and straighten it. It had been, because it by then, by the time I got there, it had been an hour to an hour and a half, you know, since it happened. It was just a crazy God deal that he got it straight, that, you know, the state trooper showed up, seen that. I would have just went to the local Belleville Hospital here and would have probably ended up losing my foot. And then for the doctor to come in when he did and not five minutes later, after, you know, they got me all ready, he just happened to be walking by, I guess, and ducked in there and seen my foot and was like, oh, we got to do this right now. I mean, it was like it happened within 10 seconds when he showed up that my foot was straight and I was passed out. And then I don't know how long. Doctor, But that doctor knew that that was the case. Yeah. And he told me, he said, you're going to hate me for this. And right before he did it, and it was probably the most painful thing I've ever been through. Um, down on something or no nothing i had i think i had about eight nurses hold me down because i was trying to once he grabbed it i was trying to crawl to him to kick him off but yeah well, it, uh, it started just like the human reflexes and the instincts that you don't even oh remember. yeah it was yeah. like when he pulled it i mean i slid down the table a foot like he jerked it it wasn't like a slight little pull and turn like he did it he said he did it hard i mean it, my ankle was the size of a basketball by now I mean, I had no idea what, I mean, it was, it was a bad deal, but I sat with, uh, they put like an X fix on it where they drilled holes into my bones on my leg and run a rod through my heel and pretty much it held my foot, my ankle apart from the joint. Like, uh, it held my foot away from my leg for two or three weeks to let the joint actually heal around where it was dislocated. So that was another deal. I had rods stuck in my top of my leg and through my heel. And uh, it was the weirdest feeling with that deal because if you touched it, like my wife had to, you know, clean around where they drilled in my leg. And all she had was a Q-tip and like some little stuff. And with the Q-tip real gently touching it, it felt like you were taking a hammer and hitting on them rods. And they would vibrate through my leg just with a Q-tip. And I had to sit with my leg up with that deal. And any, just any little touch, because the rods are in your bones. So anytime you just barely touched anything, it would just vibrate all the way down through my bones. And it was the most miserable thing for two or three weeks. I sat there with that deal. I had to sleep in a recliner and just hold my leg up. But I did that for two or three weeks. And then I had surgery. and I didn't walk for uh, six months. I had had that deal and then I had stitches and then I had a boot on for three or four months, but I didn't take a step for six months and it took a full um, nine to 10 months before I wrote again. After that, I wrote my first calf uh, on New Year's. That, like sitting for that long it's not just your leg you know everything like your whole body gets beat doing that oh yeah it, my my right leg was about half the size of my left leg just from sitting there it was as wide as you can imagine because i had a boot on it for uh six months before seeing any sunlight uh, and then just the confidence you know uh, i went to therapy forever 
it took me forever. Like right when I showed up there, I did a few things for a couple weeks and then they were wanting me to like jump off a, like a, a box that's probably two foot tall off the ground. They wanted me to jump off and just land on my right foot. And it took me months before I could do that. Just the confidence, because it still hurt. And I was like, there's no way it's going to just shatter. And the doctor told me, he said, your right leg is stronger now than it'll ever be. He said, you're going to, he said, just because I have so many plates and screws and pins in it. He said, there's, you're going to have to pretty much like take a chainsaw to it to break it again. He said, but just the confidence, I could never get over to jump off. And finally, when I did, you know, jump off that box and land on my right foot. It was, I mean, it didn't hurt one bit, but just the confidence part of it took a really long time And to rope again. Um, you know, I practiced, I looked like I was 80 years old out there roping, you know, getting off and stuff. And I actually entered a roping on Thanksgiving and I turned out because I couldn't even tie one under 10. I was like, this is terrible. So I didn't go. And then come January, it was Mike Johnson's world's richest calf roping. And I wasn't ready. I told my wife I shouldn't even drive up there to go rope. And she was like, you need to just go, and, you know, just enter and see where you're at. And I actually went up there and ended up winning like 50,000. It was, but it was like, I don't even know what came over me. I backed in the box thinking about like, I got thousands of people here watching me. And this is the first time they've seen me rope in eight months. And I'm about to embarrass myself, but then just God came over. And I, when I, when I nodded my head, it was like, I never thought about my ankle one time. And it just, from then on, it's been awesome. You know, it's just, uh, I had no other worries after that or ankle brace went on, but it just took me entering, you know, putting money up to get the confidence that I needed and, you know, I was never going to get, I could have, I could still be practicing. I feel like at my house trying to get ready and I would still be at the same place I was. And when I ran the first calf in 2014, you know, just cause I wasn't in competition. You got to get out there and, uh, you know, put yourself in situations to where, you know, you have to win and you have to do good competition and just made me overcome the fear of you know getting hurt again and you know when I nodded it just it's like all that stuff went away yeah it was definitely a blessing that I actually went to that roping and because it was a it was uh it was a lot different than roping at my house I guess well and too to have somebody you know your wife in your corner and people in your corner who were there that you trusted enough that when she pushed you you did it Oh yeah, no. She but she was ready for me to get out of the house. She didn't take care of me very much. She take care of myself. So that was in fourteen, or that was the end of fourteen. I started roping again. I had sold all my horses when I got hurt. Uh, I bought a the little bay horse um, that I rode at that roping, and he was just okay. Um, so I ended up selling him. And I actually rode, uh, come January, started the buildings like Fort Worth and stuff. And, you know, I started going to the rodeos and I actually rode one of Justin Moss's horses, um, Oz, that uh, won the world in the, or won horse of the year a couple of times. He was an amazing horse, but I got to ride him at the winter rodeos. It wasn't going very good. I won a little bit and I was looking for a horse. 
because I didn't have anything to ride. And um, a buddy of mine, Jake Pratt, called in February and he was like, hey, I, you need, I got a horse you need to try. He's like, he's uh, Ian Wells owns him. He's from Wyoming. He'll be down here in uh, end of February. And he said, I think you need to ride him. He's just, I've seen him a couple of times. You know, he's a good horse, whatever. So he brought him down there to Jake's house and I was just riding him around and uh, man, he was fat and hairy. He come from Wyoming. It was winter time. He had four inches of hair on him. Um, big old, just fat sucker. Looked like he ain't been rode forever. And uh, I got on him and just loping him around, just trying to get him warmed up to ride. It was just like, I don't know. Was, I've never got on a horse and felt that way. And my dad was there and he was like, man, you sure you can ride that horse? And I was like, man, I hope so. Cause he sure feels good. And um, after I ran the first calf on him, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like a fit, like putting a glove on. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And uh, so I ran a few on him, you know, really knew I wanted to buy him. Took him to a rodeo just to, I took him to Belton just to make sure like he worked in a perf, you know, because um, he was only seven years old or about to turn eight. And uh, I just took him over there and I was told him, I said, man, I think I'm going to buy him. I just want to take him to this rodeo, make sure, you know, he works the same at a rodeo. He was like, yeah, sure. So I went over there and I actually missed um in the rodeo i didn't even get to try him out but i was like all right whatever i'll still buy him yeah, and uh the pressure of it. But, yeah it wasn't best for my confidence at that time i was like <laughs> what the heck i just come all the way over here and miss um but ended up buying him you know and i rode him through uh the rest of february and march at the rest of the building rodeos and i really didn't win a whole lot on him it was kind of slow and just kind of had some stuff go wrong still trying to kind of get with him and at that point I was kind of doubting myself you know I just paid paid 50,000 for him yeah and uh one of the best horses most I've ever paid for a horse you know didn't after coming off not having you know being able to rodeo my wife didn't work in 2014 didn't have a whole lot of money pretty much spent all my money I had on this horse and now I can't even really I haven't won a whole lot on him and I kind of doubt myself and just wondering what the heck am I going to do now? So come April, went out to California and Logandale to them rodeos. And man, it just like being outdoors in the big arenas, it just started clicking, uh, you know, won a lot on him out there. And then summer, won lots on him during the summer, um, you know, started getting with him. It was just, a, then I knew, you know, it was just a blessing that he was put in my life. Ended up winning, you know, making the finals, winning the world in 2015, won the world, won the average on him. And then, you know, Pockets became famous like he is now. You know, yeah. he's just an unbelievable horse. Uh, won the world on him, rode him in 16, 17, um, made the finals on him. I mean, I've made the finals on him every year now from then. And uh, then in 2000. 18 or actually 2000 it was early 2017 we found out that uh my dad had cancer in his throat and esophageal cancer whatever they call it and uh it uh well we actually we had a, my first kid in 2015 through, uh or actually 
2016. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. February 2016. Sorry. That's what seems like a long time ago. So 2016, we had a crew. And my parents were still living in Yorktown. And then my dad found out that he had cancer and stuff and they needed to move closer to MD Anderson. And they wanted to actually come up here anyways, because you know, we have a grandkid. They can't, you know, can't be too far from that. So uh they came up here and for you know, it was just another one of them God things because me and my dad actually became like best friends it was more like a father-son relationship it was like a best friend deal we got to hang out every day you know he was out there turning out calves for me I was roping they lived 10 minutes from us he was over at my place every day and uh, the days he didn't have to go get treatment and stuff and for two years you know we hung out pretty much every day um, and they actually cleared the cancer twice um, you know said he was cancer free and then it would just kind of come back. And the third time it came back was in uh, December of 2017. And it was just all over his body, it spread everywhere. And it was kind of a shock. Um, I don't know when they tell you, you know, yeah, you're cancer free. You're thinking, all right, he's gonna be here forever. And then a couple months later, you know, he goes back and they're like, oh, it's spread everywhere. And um, so then that was late 2017 and uh, January 20th, 2018, he passed away. They just said spread all through his body and uh, just took over. So it was kind of almost like I didn't really lose my dad, but I lost, lost kind of my best friend and my, uh, my buddy I had out here for two years. But, you know, after going to college and, rodeoing and them still living down there I didn't get to you know see him a whole lot um so it was awesome that I got to spend the last two years of his life just pretty much with him by my side you know the couple years in 2016 and 17 he got to go out there and rodeo with me I would fly him out there and he would drive for us for a couple weeks and stuff like that and you know he's ever since I started roping that's all he wanted to do was, you know, watch me rope. That's what made him happy, and that's what he enjoyed. That's why he come out here with cancer and everything. I mean, he was out here every day turning out calves. You know, whatever I needed, he was doing it. So it was pretty tough, um, but I was just blessed and glad that I got to spend the last two years with him, I guess, and that's why he moved up here and why God put him right here by my house because he knew – you know, obviously he knows the whole time what's going to happen, but I was just so glad that I got to do that for the last two years of his life, and we spent all that time together because it was a, it was pretty awesome, and we became a lot closer, too. Those are cherished memories, for sure, you know. Oh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. While those things are never, nobody ever wants that to happen in their life ever for anybody but it does allow us to have those memories like if that hadn't happened would we you know you don't know but like you said god has a plan and when those things do come up open our eyes and to spend time with those that we love and to really put forth what we're what we intend to do all the time sometimes gets pushed to the side until that kind of stuff comes up oh yes ma'am for sure for sure so um i'll just keep on going yeah so 2008 
15, we, you know, I rodeoed. It was tough. Uh, you know, it was just kind of, it was different, I guess. Um, so then made the finals in 2018 and my wife was pregnant with Myla, our second kid. And, uh, yeah, late 2018, her brother was getting married, um, to Will, her brother, Will was married in Bailey. Um, and they got married down there at our, uh, my father has a ranch, a hunting ranch in Uvalde. And, uh, they got married there and then, um, uh, you know, fairy tale wedding crazy you know it's just beautiful and uh in the byler family it's just kind of been a tradition that anybody in the byler family when they get married they're leaving a helicopter uh, my father-in-law had a helicopter that he used for work and uh that's just kind of what we did i left in mine you know everybody that's been married has left in it for many years and uh they wanted to fly from uvalde to san Antonio, and they took off you know everything seemed fine everybody went to bed or we did not a lot of people did but my father-in-law he has a deal on his phone that you know when something happens to the helicopter or something goes wrong it just pops up on his phone but I didn't know none of this we had kids we went to bed my wife was I mean about to have Myla so we just went to bed and my sister-in-law my wife's sister called me at 6 a.m and she's never called me at 6 a.m before so I answered and she told me that, you know, hey, uh, they can't find Will and Bailey. They never checked into the hotel room. Uh, they have no idea what happened. They've been looking for them. Um, you know, they had, just at that point, they had no idea. They'd been looking for them all night, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was just like, you wanted to go back to sleep. Like, that was a dream. So I told my wife, and uh, we ended up getting up and just, you know, kind of everybody was just, uh, it was really a dream. Like you just walked around out there and it was like, a, it's hard to explain when you, you know, just the uncertainty of what happened. So uh, they ended up finding the helicopter and they had all, you know, died on impact and they just kind of clipped the top of a mountain pretty much. Um, just nighttime flying. You can look out across there and you can see the mountain. It's the tallest mountain headed out there towards San Antonio and he just wasn't a foot high enough, I guess, just caught the bottom of the uh, sleds and just, you know, it just crashed. Um, but it was just a, a dream, really. It's still, when I think about it these days, it doesn't seem true. It still seems like it's just a dream, you know, being four years later. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, and then that was November 3rd. And come December 1st, you know, we had to go, I had to go to the NFR. Uh, Brennan ended up having Myla. She's, you know, three weeks old. We head out to Vegas. And um, it was unbelievable the support that I had from her family. You know, they all still went out there. They could have stayed. This was just happened three weeks before. They could have stayed at home. You know, they didn't want to be around all the thousands and thousands of people that are out there. You know, they just, I said it was a weird feeling. You'd walk by people that you knew and they just kind of looked at you because they, you know, what do you say? It's kind of one of them deals. They just kind of looked at you and were speechless. You know, they, it's kind of hard to walk. Hey, man, how you been doing? You know, it's, it's that's not, 
it's, you know, you can't really say that and nobody, you know, whatever, you can't yeah. say, you don't know how to there's no words to make somebody, yeah, feel better in that situation. And it was just a, it was an odd feeling, but, you know, they put that behind them and come out there to support me and just, I don't know, it was a feeling that came over me that, you know, I need to give 200% here because they drove all the way or you know, flew out here to support me in a time like this, just for me. You know, it was just the amount of support that I felt from them and uh, ended up winning the first round out there and I uh, gave my buckle to my father-in-law, um, you know, and just, just to tell them thanks and, you know, for coming to support me in a time like this, you know, where you could be sitting at home where you're not getting asked a million questions and around people. But uh, ended up winning the world again that year in 2018 and winning the average. And that's by far the most just special buckle to me, um, mainly for them, you know, because just the happiness, I guess I brought them, you know, in those 10 days and just the, hopefully it took their mind off of it um, because, uh, you know, there's nobody that can, do that except for God, you know, in a time like that, you know, no matter what anybody says to you, no matter what support that a person can feel in that city. Yeah, I mean, it's just, know that there's that much love in the world and positive energy, and that's huge. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody asked me which one was your most memorable, uh, you know, buckle out of the ones you won, and I'm like, man, that one just for my family, you know, it'd have been different. I probably wouldn't have won the world probably wouldn't have done much good you know if they weren't out there yeah. you know but just them being out there and the support I felt from them you know just made me want to uh you know do better and be better just because they're they're watching and the stuff that they've been through the last month yeah. Uh, so yeah it was it was awesome yeah I read on a oh there's a, an article that is from the Cowboy Channel, and it says that a lot of people rope for themselves or for titles, but you told yourself you weren't roping for any of that, that you're going to rope for them. And that's huge. What do you think – what did you rope for prior to that? Just, you know, to make a living. You know, that's what – I mean, if I couldn't make a living doing this rodeo deal, you know, I wouldn't do it, obviously. Um, it would be uh, – it'd be really hard on my – financials to <laughs> rodeo and not be able to make a living doing it because that's what you know that's what I do it for and I feel like that's what pushes me to be better because I have three kids and a wife to support now so uh it dang sure makes me uh try harder with your story and like the way that you share it and being open to sharing it and things like that like you get to rope for all these kids that are looking up for you too like you're clearly mm -hmm. you're a great role model and for you to have the faith that you do and to put god first and to be open to talk about that and to share your experience like i mean i understand that you have to make a living but you're doing more than that by still entering mm -hmm. you know, after all that even the ankle thing that'd break a lot of people and <laughs> then your dad and all of that you know your your sister-in-law and your brother-in-law like that's a lot. That's enough to end so many people and your structure that is such a testament to so many mm -hmm. other kids who are gonna listen to this and watch you back in the box every time. Um, so you're doing way more than just roping for money or for your family. Yes, ma'am. Um but yeah, I'll go ahead and finish out uh up to this date. So uh 
that was 2018, um, 19, you know, just rodeoed. And then obviously in 20, uh, COVID set in and it was a tough year for rodeo. We, uh, didn't have many rodeos. Um, usually it takes about 70 to 80,000 to make the finals and, and the calf rope. And in that year, I think it only took like 45 because of the little amount of rodeos. And it was tough. You know, we were driving, driving a lot more, uh, not being able to rope for a whole lot of money. But uh, I still ended up making the finals. And uh, that was the year they moved it to Dallas or to Arlington. Um, and everybody had to get COVID tested. And I went up there, got COVID tested. And uh, it was positive. Uh, I felt fine, had no symptoms, you know, just crazy deal. So I thought, and uh, they were like, hey, you need to, you know, leave. They just like freaked out. It was like I had this, you know, crazy potent in me that I was going to, you know, contaminate everybody. So uh, they actually ended up letting me take two more COVID tests. And uh, both of them come back positive. And pretty much they just said, you know, hey, there's nothing we can do. You just can't compete. And I was like, what? You know, it was just odd deal how that it happened like that, too. It was quick. And uh, so I ended up just going home, uh, you know, get all these calls like, hey, you need to sue the PRCA, do all this stuff. You know, I'm just like, you know what? I'm over it. I'm just going hunting. So ended up going hunting the whole time during the NFR kind of got over it um you know at first you're kind of mad and want to do something you know you got all these thoughts running through your head that you want to do something about it but i finally just let it go you know just moved on um obviously there was nothing i wasn't going to make it worse for everybody else that could make it or that was able to compete and stuff like that because it was just me and uh donna k rule that tested positive uh the barrel racer and uh so moved on you know, 2021, uh, you know, everything was sort of back to normal, got to rodeo and um, ended up making the finals again, uh, winning the world, winning the average uh, for the third time. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a – I was getting almost to the end of my career, I thought, where it was like my last few years of rodeo. But then when that happened, it just pushed me to – you know, I want to do this and pretty much lit a fire in me again to, you know, feel young again and wanted to rodeo again um, after that. And then just I felt like I had something to something to rope for, something to prove when I showed up in 2021 that, hey, they didn't let me compete last year after I made it. So it was awesome. It was an awesome feeling. I just wanted to be able to go back out there and rope again. felt like when I showed up out there, it felt like I hadn't been there in four years. You know, because I had made it consecutive every year since 2015, uh, you know, 15. And then on, you know, I was back there every year. And then after you skip a year, it's like, man, I ain't been here in four or five years, it felt like. So it was like I was a kid again and just enjoying the rope. And, man, we just had a lot of fun and enjoyed every minute of it. I would say for sure, like, we set up a booth out in Vegas every year. And just skipping that year, and even though they had the finals, like, it just – Vegas and it did feel like a long time mm-hmm. to go back and just build up that much more excitement to it and anticipation and glad to be back. Yes, ma'am. So then most about the American. You made a pretty big decision there too. <laughs> yeah, that was in two thousand twenty. How the American works, they take the top ten from the year before from the finals after the year's over. And uh, then they have like the qualifier deals. 
and obviously since I didn't make the didn't get to compete, I wasn't in the top ten. And uh, so they, you know, I had planned on just going through the um, qualifiers and stuff, and they called me, and they were like, "Hey, uh, we want to invite you to the American. They wanted." Uh, we want to invite you to the American since you didn't get to compete at the NFR and stuff. And as soon as he told me that, I just had a feeling come over me. It was like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to go through the qualifiers. And he was like, all right. Uh, he said, well, just think about it. We don't have to know now. And, uh, you know, get back with me. So it never changed my mind. I was just setting my ways that I was going to go through the qualifiers and try to rope for a million. Um, because when you get invited – you only get to rope for the hundred thousand. And, uh, so ended up going, not taking it, you know, uh, they called it, a um, invitee, you know, I turned it down and, uh, actually they did the same thing with Donna K rule, the other girl that didn't get to compete. And, uh, she actually took her, uh, invitee spot and I went all the way through the qualifiers, um, Ended up, you get to enter the qualifiers twice. Uh, ended up winning the average on two. And then I ended up winning first and fourth in the uh, on my two spots to make it to the American. So I actually had two spots, but you can only take one to the American. And I ended up making it and being able to rope for a million dollars. But it didn't go as planned. My first one uh, kind of messed up my string when I was tying him. And I didn't, didn't end up winning it, but it was just an awesome experience to be able to do that and to you know turn down my invited spot and go through the whole deal and have the success that I had but you know as soon as he told me that um you know God just came over me and was like hey you're not uh you're not doing that you're gonna go you know do it the way you had planned before they ever even told you this and uh man it was just awesome it was a lot of fun to do that I mean, not that you necessarily needed it, but to go through that whole process and just be like, hey, like, I've got it made, but I know that I can do it too. Like, just to prove that to yourself and to everyone that, that you just have to be invited to make it. Yeah, you know, it's like I was already planning on going through the qualifiers. You know, I had no idea they were going to invite me, you know. Uh, it was like I was already planning on it. You know, I already had my mindset that I'd had to do it this way. And then when they called, it was just like, no, I want to do it this way that I'm already doing it the way that, you know, planned it. But then when that feeling come over me and I knew it was God telling me, you know, you don't need this, you can do it the hard way. You know, it was just the confidence and the, you know, him telling me that I was like, you know, this is going to be easy. I got, I got him on my side with this deal. So ended up doing it. I wish I could have roped like I did in 2022, you know, in 2021 and ended up with, all that money but you know it was just a you know me not winning it and then coming back and winning it this year you know it's just it's just a god thing you know that's how he planned it out and i'm just uh i'm just riding in his plan and i let him plan it out and i try to fulfill the moments when it's my time that's huge so when you've had all of this adversity and there's times that it's got to be really difficult and like you've mentioned it a couple times that you know you doubted yourself and that kind of stuff like that's a lot for one human to face. How do you overcome those times when the doubt and the fear and the worry sets in? You know, uh, you know, everybody says like, 
or my wife says, you know, a lot of bad things happen and then good things happen, um, you know, along with it. And I do believe in that, but through my career, it's almost like something bad happened and then something good happened. And uh, I don't know, it just makes me dig down. It makes me want it more and makes me, you know, become closer to God and, you know, trust in him more. And I think that's why I have uh, more success winning, you know, when something bad happens because I want it more. And because I can, you know, I believe in him more and push, uh, push to be better when bad things do happen. And I don't want any more bad things to happen. I hope that we, you know, we can just, uh, you know, kind of keep moving forward and, you know, just keep believing. But after the finals and after the American, you know, it just turned a light on in my head that, uh, you know, I can, that's the crew. Uh, you know, I can't do this by myself. You know, you got to have support. You got to have, um, you know, Jesus Christ in your corner and just believe in him and pretty much anything's possible. Well, and I think that that alone is such a powerful message that when things were going wrong, rather than turning from him and saying, why me? You said, help me. You know, it's mm-hmm. I agree. From him. And that's a powerful message for all these kids to hear, too, because so many of us, you know, we start to feel guilt and play the victim card. But you didn't. You took it and you. Mm-hmm. an opportunity to get closer to him so that's awesome oh yeah a lot of things are uh hard to do by yourself but with a support team and god you know a lot of things become easier and uh, your mind becomes easier and lots of lots of things are easier so we're down to the last couple minutes so what is if you had a piece of advice is something out there to share with kids what would it be just never give up always keep believing you know um i uh you know a lot of people i guess uh come from a rodeo family or think that you have to come from a rodeo family and it doesn't just consist of rodeo you know anything you do if you set your mind to it you know it can be done uh i don't come from a rodeo family i don't come from any uh nobody in my family has ever even made the nfr nobody in my family has ever even you know pro rodeoed um yeah a lot of them roped but never to a high level um so you don't have to it pretty much doesn't have to be bred into you to do whatever you want to do you know you set your mind to it if it's you know throwing washers or playing football or rodeoing or whatever playing golf you know or just becoming successful in any kind of business you know if that's what you want to do if you work at it put it you know, put God first and then, you know, just believe in him and whatever you're doing, um, it's possible because, uh, you know, I'm sitting here to tell you that I, uh, you know, I just never, I never expected this in my career. Um, you know, as a little kid, you know, I wanted to rope, I wanted to, you know, make the NFR, but if you would have told me back then that I'd have three gold buckles right now, you know, and all the success that I've had, I tell you, you're crazy. You know, even if you said, yeah, this is what you're going to do. I'd be like, no, I'm not because I just want to rope. And I think that got me to where I am. Just enjoying it, believing the support that I have. If I wouldn't have had none of that, obviously I wouldn't have won near as much as I have. Um, so just anything is possible. I've said that forever. You know, if you put your mind to it, believe and, uh, you know, hang out with the right people, put yourself in the right situations. Um, anything's possible do you have a favorite bible or quote uh through jesus christ everything's possible i've said that forever 
Um, I live by it. Um, you know, it's just, I, I believe it. Um, that's just what I've always turned to. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. And like I said, you know, you're more than just open for money for other people in your family. You're, you're setting an example for so many kids out there and for God and you're living his word and his, his purpose for you. So keep up the good work. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. As always, thank you for tuning in to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We apologize for the quality of that last podcast. We were at a few little technical difficulties. Um, RodeoKids.com is at the Midwest Horse Fair in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend. We are recording this in April of 2022. So uh, if you are in the area, stop by and see us. If not, stop by and see us next year. We are excited to be going to the Little Britches finals this year and a few other places. And we would love to meet you all in person. And if we can't, we always encourage you to go like us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Give us a follow, check out the website, and utilize this platform as best you can because it was created for you. With that being said, we are always looking to expand and grow, and that takes financial contributions. If you love what we're doing here at RodeoKids.com and would like to support the future and the youth and the Western industry and the values and traditions that we learn as cowboys and cowgirls, please reach out to us at RodeoKids.com and we can tell you all about how to support. If you're interested in just supporting the cowboys and cowgirls, we have also started the Rodeo Kids Continuing Education Fund. That fund will provide support for young ladies and gentlemen who may not have the resources or the support to go to clinics, lessons, camps, buy books, uh, educational material, and things just to get them started in the industry. We will not be paying for any entry fees or fuel at this time, but we want to give the opportunity for youth to get involved for the first time, get their feet wet, get to the next level, and continue to grow the Western industry as a whole and us cowboys and cowgirls as individuals. You can find all that information on the rodeokids.com backslash support page. We look forward to hearing from all of you, meeting you down the road eventually in person. And as always on social media, give us a like, follow, share, and tell all your friends about it. Good luck, safe travels, and God bless to everyone.